Welcome back once again to Breathing New Life, a podcast discovering new metal, past, present, and future. I'm one of your hosts, Jeremy. And I'm the other host, Tom. And today, we are going to be covering a couple of things, uh, most notably for this episode. We're going to be talking about collaborations, talking about where uh, we have guest appearances on some classic new metal albums. Uh, Of course, we're not going to be touching on every single one, so if there's one that you haven't heard... We're just going to try to get the ones that are Tom and I's favorites, but this should be a lot of fun. Yeah, this is a little bit more where we're focused on like bands that are more closely associated with each other in the new metal music scene, you know, or whatever, you know, basically members from other new metal bands doing guest like vocals on other, on other, on you know, new metal bands as well. So. That's kind of what we're just exploring here. A little bit simpler, a little bit more condensed topic. Not talking too many like cross genre type of stuff, but figured it'd be mostly focused on new metal members. Yeah, exactly. And and you're also going to notice when we're talking about a lot of these songs, you're going to notice that there's a couple of members from certain bands that they tend to be regulars on each other's albums. But that kind of makes sense because especially back in the day new metal it really had a sense of like community and family they're all you know just kind of like buddies really you know in 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 the real sense it wasn't just kind of like okay cool you know we'll tour with you good you know whatever like these guys are actual like you know friends they got along they supported each other um i think that's what really helped you know new metal gets where it was you know from the mid 90s up through uh, uh the 2000s so uh but this should be a lot of fun a uh, lot of good songs up on here and then uh, I've got some other things afterwards, uh, but real quick, this is episode 16, and we were just talking about this before we started recording. You'll notice on your list, if you're on Apple iTunes or Spotify, wherever you're listening to these podcasts, episode 14 is missing. Uh, it went a little missing in action. Um, we spent a good while on it, and then it just decided just to disappear. So uh, we're going to redo that one. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, I- I unfortunately, before editing, I lost the uh, original audio files and I couldn't download them. I could not download them again because it was too long for me to uh, download them again. And uh, so, yeah, it's just kind of, uh, well, it's, uh, I feel kind of crappy about that, but, um, you know, shit happens. And I, I think, though, I think what it would be good, though, is that we can actually kind of go back to that topic and have a little bit um, more organized uh perspective on that because i think last time we we kind of we kind of stumbled all over over ourselves trying to do that episode anyway so i kind of think it's actually somewhat of a blessing in disguise to give us a chance to re- uh, touch up upon on that again yeah you took the words right out of my mouth i was thinking the same thing i was like all right it was a long one but out of all the ones to lose i gotta be honest i was like okay yeah because that one could give another go and uh tom don't feel bad because there's some other podcasts i've listened to we're not the only podcast that that's ever happened to. That That's actually a oh, yeah, semi-regular I, thing. And one thing that I really felt bad about, and I was talking to my wife, uh, there's another podcast I was listening to where they had this nice long interview with, you know, a, a, it was a sports one, but uh, it was somebody that was pretty uh, pretty prominent uh, person in, in that field. And they lost it and they couldn't get back. And 
So my wife's like, well, thank God, you know, because we've had a couple of really good interviews so far. She's like, well, I'm glad you guys didn't lose an interview episode. I'd be like, man, oh, like no. that would be tough because the booking and trying to get that all together. So really, like you're saying, it, it worked out. It was it was meant to be so. But um, yeah, we'll get that one back and uh, it, it'll be. Yeah. Once we get that organized, I think that's going to be a really good episode. But uh, talking yeah. about this one today. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tom. Oh, just I was just agreeing with you. Like, yeah, we get a chance to. uh we go over that link again, and I got to deal with um, my pets playing with each other here. So uh, <laughs> you might hear a little bit of like dog growling in the background. But um, yeah, no, I just I think, you know, it gives a chance to go back over that and have a little bit more organized uh, discussion on that. Well, basically, OK, basically, I said what my piece about the, um, the you know, having a better, you know, constructed um, discussion regarding the. Uh, the topic for episode 14. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll go on to today's topic, which, uh, as I previously mentioned, we will be discussing collaborations, you know, on new metal songs. So, Jeremy, you've got uh, a few songs from Soulfly here on the list uh, up at the top here, at least as far as I uh, arranged everything. So why don't you uh, start off with that for us? Sure thing. And, and I will start off by saying that Soulfly, if you listen to a lot of their albums, I think that Max Cavalera just loves having people on his albums. I, I I could probably say that, man, at a minimum with Soulfly albums, there's at least three guest appearances. So again, we're not going to go over every single guest you know appearance on a new metal album that there's out there, especially for Soulfly because there's a lot. But to start off, one that I think is like a classic one was Soulfly off of their self-titled album. They had Bleed, Free Tree featuring, excuse me, Fred Durst. I thought that was a good one to start off with. Uh, just just a nice, heavy one. Uh, this is back in the day where like Fred Durst was actually still screaming. And uh, it's it just like a, it's just a banger, man. Like I, I think that was a good one to start off with. I would say it's probably like one of my more favorite ones. Uh, what do you think about that song, Tom? I've heard it a few times. It's one of those songs that like I am aware of. I don't like regularly listen to type of deal. Especially because I think when that song was released, I wasn't as into Soulfly as like I got into them later on. Mm-hmm. So it didn't really it didn't really like stick with me as long as like other songs and whatnot. But uh uh I don't know, I I know the song. Not as familiar with it as probably the next song that you're gonna bring up, which uh Jump the Fuck Up featuring Corey Taylor, uh mm-hmm. off of uh Back to the Primitive? That, or is it just called Primitive? I can't remember. I believe the album's just Primitive. Yeah. And, and I oh, was okay. kind of with That's you. Right. Yeah. It's where Primitive is when I first started getting into Soulfly. So for their self-titled, I wasn't as familiar. So yeah, Bleed was one of those to where it kind of flew under the radar for me and I revisited. Uh, but yeah, definitely Jump the Fuck Up with Corey Taylor is just so badass. And he actually had quite a prominent role. And it was almost like he kind of had more of a vocal take on that like a you know he was on there more than the max was max was kind of like backing him up and uh it's a it's everything that you could expect from classic Corey taylor and this is also when slipknot was just you know like they're just becoming one of the biggest bands out there period and you know you got the melodic part he even's got like a little flow like a little rap yeah it's just it's it's just a solid song man yeah really really dig it definitely it's almost like you know Soulfly was the instrumental part of the song. Right. And, you know, Corey Taylor was strictly, almost strictly the vocals on there. And 
it is probably one of the most well-known uh, Soulfly songs that's like actually like a collaborative song because it's Corey Taylor. I mean, of Slipknot, and it was like right before they they pretty much blew up, just like you said. And mm-hmm. to be on one of those extremely well-known albums, you know, it's a classic, I guess, for a collaboration. And it's also kind of somewhat of a breakaway from how the first Slipknot album was for Corey vocally. He didn't, but he also brought in that aggression as well. Like he, it's a lot more soft-spoken vocals and then the Mm -hmm. chorus is aggressive. So it's something that you almost like got to peek into more of how Corey Taylor would probably do a lot more of his vocal stylings later on compared to that first album by Slipknot. Yeah. But yeah, it's a great, it's a, it's probably of all the Soulfly collaboration songs that I've heard before. It's probably the most well-known to me. Yeah. And I, I think it's probably one that's a fan favorite, especially for those that are Soulfly fans, or at least the, from the new metal era of Soulfly. Uh, and, and this is just a coin flip because yeah, I love jump the fuck up, but then there's also pain, which features Chino Marino of Deftones. And that's just another one. And Honestly, when I've talked about this album with friends, they're like, all right, which one do you like better? And, and honestly, it, it's, it's a toss up, man. Like they're both so good. And Chino, again, it's, it's right. And that's what I love about these, these um, songs in this album, because it's like he's got like a lot of these heavy hitters that, that are featured in this album. Again, this is Chino around. Let's see here. This is right around like, you know, between around the fur and white pony and uh, it's just got that vibe. It's very bouncy. Like the riff is super like, I mean, it's, I mean, you hear it. You're like, okay, this is a new metal song. This is the very first time, you know, you play the first few seconds, just real bouncy, heavy and just, just aggressive. Yeah. It's just like, you get, you get the really good aggressive side of Chino on there. And of course, you know, Max is being Max. Yeah. Just another solid song. Um, one that I would definitely recommend if you've not yet heard and actually, just check out the whole album of Primitive. It's front to back, man. Like I, it's a really good, solid album, whole way through. Oh yeah, Primitive definitely. Anybody that's listening to new metal should be should be having that in their you know library. Good back, to, you know, front to back new metal album. You know, one of those uh, coming up off of after Roots and everything like that. Just pretty solid album. Period. Yeah, yeah, it, it's one that have not gotten tired of. And actually I, I haven't heard it in a minute and that's when I would love to go back, revisit and just, uh, just jam, man. Like I said, front to back, really, really good. Again, Soulfly, there's, there's, well, actually, you know, we'll, we'll say more so max bet- between, well, yeah, yeah. Soulfly. I'm, I'm, I was thinking Sepatura, but, um, yeah, with Soulfly, tons of songs where he loves to have guest appearances. He even has, um, musicians that are outside of even metal. I think he had John Lennon's son, on um, one of like the last tracks of this album or the album after. Um, so he just likes collaborating with all kinds of different um, musicians, which I think is really cool. It just I, I think he's a, just a well-rounded guy when it comes to music, period. But moving on from Soulfly, the next band, which we actually had a couple episodes ago, Head P.E., we, uh, due to Broke having its 20th anniversary, uh, we did kind of even touch on this. That was the feel-good song where it had Morgan Landers of Kitty and Serge Tankin of System of a Down. Um, and I think we even touched on this uh, during that episode. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think one of the reasons I like this song a lot is because 
both with Kitty and System of a Down, if, if you take Head PE, Kitty, System of a Down, now that sounds like a great lineup, like that, that's great, but as far as like stylistically within new metal, and especially as far as them as vocalists, they're so different, you know? And, and I just thought that the way that they put this song together, it flowed real well, it made sense, because when you put those, you know, when you had um, Jared and Morgan and Surge, and you're like, okay, all three of these are gonna have a song together. I would have been, I, I would have been a little bit skeptical because just like I said, how different they are, but it's just one that kind of just blended so well and it made sense. And I mean, basically with Morgan, she's just kind of just doing like the, the screams in between the lead up into the chorus and then Surge takes it over. But yeah, I just, it, it's, it's a really solid song. And again, if for whatever reason you have not checked it out and you know, you do like Head PE, um, it's off the Broke album. Highly recommend this one for sure. All right, cool. Uh, real quick mention then, um, I know I don't have it on the list, but one of the things that uh, relating to Head PE was the band Primer 55 and their song, um, God, I can't remember right now off the top of my head. By my, uh, it's uh, not loose. It's a different one, I think. Oh, Set It Off. Set It Off, yes. Correct, yeah. Primer 55 with the song Set, or, set It Off. It has a bridge with the uh, rap vocals, and that's Jared Gomez from Head P.E. Doing, doing that part of the song. That was always kind of, you know, surprising to me because I didn't know Head P.E. as well as I had known Primer 55 when I first heard that song. So I, you know, was kind of blown away when I put those two together later on. And quite a few years after I had that album, listening to that song, knowing who did the, the rap verse on that, on that mm-hmm. song. And, uh, you know, that's that's cool because, you know, I was a pretty big fan of Primer 55, uh, really loved that album. And just a correlation with, you know, another thing where just these two kind of, you know, new metal bands, you know, collaborating on a song and somebody, li- you know, lending their vocals to a song on their, another band's uh, album like that. Yeah. Yeah, Primer 55, man. Actually, it's crazy because I've I've listened to, obviously, Loose. That's their their big hit. And I've listened to a mm-hmm. lot of um, songs off of Introduction to Mayhem. I I, I happen to skip that one, man. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I, I got to check that out. Yeah, like, or, or maybe it's one of those to where once I hear it again, I'm like, oh, okay, now it's coming to me. Yeah. But uh, I'm glad you mentioned that one because me personally, I'm going to have to check that out because I'm sure I'll, I'll like it because I'm, I'm a Primer, 50 guy, Primer 55 guy myself. Yeah, I would say for me, off of Introduction to Mayhem, Set It Off and Loose are two of my biggest, or two of the most, so two of the songs I remember the most off that album. Uh, most of the other songs, I probably couldn't tell you what they are, but those two songs stick with me. Uh, I just couldn't remember. I was having a complete blank on what the title of, of that song was that uh, Jerry Gomez had done the ghost, uh, guest vocals for. Well, there you go. Well, <laughs> we discovered it. Um, speaking of discovering, So for this next song, we have two bands or basically a band with a featured vocalist that were both, uh, thanks to Fred Durst, kind of got their way into making it big. Uh, And that was Cold, uh, 13 Ways to Bleed on stage. And I believe it's the last track where they're featuring Aaron Lewis and it's Bleed, uh, which I, this is another one that I love as well because um, I'm a big fan of both, you know, Scooter Ward and Aaron Lewis. And this is one to where, you know, even though it's, it's a very slower song, all acoustic, 
uh, very melodic. So it, it doesn't have like a new metal feel, but given the fact that you know that they're in the in the genre, obviously we gotta have to at least mention it. But it's just great ma- melodies. They, they, their voices work so well together, and yeah, it just I think it was just a perfect way to end that album. Um, it just you know because it's very kind of just dark and kind of moody. Um, I would describe 13 Ways to Bleed on stage. So it's just, to me, it's a perfect way to kind of get out of that that album. And then the music video for this, it was just kind of very simplistic. They're just sitting down, playing the acoustic, uh, you know, playing their guitars. And yeah, I just, I, I think it's probably one of like the classic collaborations um, out, of, out of the whole new metal genre, in my opinion. Yeah, it's cold and insane having such a, close relationship when they were local to, you know, in the local Florida scene back then to work together and both be bands that have basically been given the opportunity. Thanks to Fred Durst, a huge, uh, huge deal there. Yeah. Like 13 ways to bleed on stages. One of my top albums for me from that period, especially. Yeah. And kind of just leading out with like that softer, slower song and, you know, two recognizable vocalist for me, you know, doing a song together. Yeah, that worked. Even though it's been a long time since I heard that song specifically, because, you know, I'll, I'll listen to a lot of different tracks off of 13 Ways, but like that song specifically, I mean, because because it's an outro song, it's a slow song. It's not really one that I gravitate to when I want to put it in a playlist just to regularly listen to. But if I'm going to sit down and listen to the whole song, yeah, or the whole album, I should say, it's a great song right. for, for leading out for, you know, an outro and everything like that. Nothing crazy, but nothing like, too like stupid or sad or anything like that. It's just a good melodic uh, song um, to take out, walk out with that album. I guess I don't know how to put it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, hundred percent, man. So uh, for for the next one, I'll, I'll let you take our our next song because um, I know that you're you're pretty familiar with this one here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I listen to this song quite often. So the next song we're talking about is uh, "Miracle" by Nonpoint, uh, featuring Chad Gray, and it's kind of funny because. You listen to the song, and in a weird way, you kind of don't think about the fact that that's Chad Gray, but you know that voice. You know it's Chad Gray singing it, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of weird because it's 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 such it's to me it's a song where it sounds and fits so well that it's like not like Chad Gray doesn't feel like an external element in the song. He sounds like he's basically part of Nonpoint with that song. It's yeah. it's it's really whatever. You want to say, however, the the writing or the production or whatever really made it feel like it wasn't such a standout guest vocal. It was like just part of the song. It's a you know it's a pretty classic nonpoint song. Yeah, I listen to it all the time and everything like that. But just uh, it's Miracle by Nonpoint featuring Chad Gray. Go out and check it out. Listen to it if you haven't for whatever reason. Uh, your thoughts on that song and anything? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think he blends very well with with Nonpoint, and it is one of those things to where you're kind of like, all right, well, this isn't Elias, like, so who's singing? But he's got his signature scream like that, like that real high, you know, as, so, as soon as he breaks out, you're like, no, that that's, nobody sounds like Chad when he does that. Like, that's what I love about him. Like, his screams are so just unique, and, and it, it's it's him, like, you know, he's... There's nobody else that does it like him, in in my opinion. And um, yeah, it's it, it's a good song. And I'll be honest, after probably after oh geez, because you had development, you had 
Oh, it was after recoil. I think it was after recoil to where I was starting to kind of lose them a little bit with non-point. But um, this, yeah, this was a definitely good track and love Mudvayne. So to have Chad on there really kind of just added to it, kind of give it a little bit more grit, a little bit more edge. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely dig this one as well. But no, I was I was actually going to tell you, Tom, the one that I was saying that you were probably you know pretty familiar with, which oh, I was as shit. well. Talking about cold chamber. Yeah, oh, the cold God, chamber. I, I, I was looking at the list, and for some reason, because on the on the Google Doc you have um, the cursor right next to nonpoint, so I thought that's where you wanted me to go with right away. So oh I was my bad, I'm so confused. sorry. <laughs> yeah, so that's I'm like that, that's one thing that sucks about when we're doing this like kind of live right. and using the Google Doc live, and I got really confused by where the uh, cursor was. I thought you were trying to lead me into nonpoint, but you know what? Let's let's talk about cold chamber with yes. Shock the Monkey featuring Ozzy Osbourne. Shock the Monkey, a classic Peter Gabriel song, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Yes, that, that is correct. Yep. I, I want to make sure I'm, I'm not getting mixed up somehow. But yeah, classic Peter Gabriel song. I, I grew up listening to the original a lot because it was like all over MTV in the 80s. I was, you know, I had cable and everything like that growing up and, and always on MTV and everything like that. Cold Chamber doing a song with Ozzy Osbourne. I think we discussed this before where part of the reason why, like, they had Ozzy get a chance or they, yeah, they got a chance to have Ozzy do the guest vocals for them was because they were managed by Sharon Osbourne at the time. Mm-hmm. And so they had that connection to, to Ozzy Osbourne. And, and, uh, but I think, you know, a lot of it was kind of like, it was, you know, Ozzy was, it was able to record remotely and then it was produced and blended in later on when Cold Chamber did the song itself. Also like the music video itself, like, it's not at all like Ozzy's no, not with them at all, like in the same location that Ozzy's like singing in front of a green screen with a bunch of flames, you know, effects and all that stuff going on. And so he's, it's kind of funny because like you watch a video and then you're watching like everything else going on, but then all of a sudden it just cuts to just Ozzy singing his <laughs> parts of the vocals. And it's just kind of like, and it's also kind of weird because like the, the effects are kind of cheesy, the kind of, the kind of cheap looking and all that stuff. I don't know if it was, like a time constraint or whatever the deal was. Yeah, all I can say is that that music video was mainly looked pieced together with Ozzy's parts into whatever Cold Chamber was, was you know, had put together. Mm-hmm. Anything you have to say about that? Yeah, no, I, I thought it was, a, it was a cool, interesting take on a Peter Gabriel song. I really like when bands kind of go outside of their particular genre and you know take a stab at it i thought it was you know it it probably if i had to rank it it wouldn't be up there as far as you know like covers and and collaborations but it was cool to have ozzy on that and also too you know we talk about it a lot of times i mean ozzy i think had a big hand in helping popularize new metal and kind of bringing it out to the forefront just with ozfest i think he helped a lot of bands out and, and giving them exposure and kind of championed the genre, which, you know, I really like. So to kind of have him with Colt Chamber, I thought was was really cool. So, but, you know, speaking about having a, a cover song and, and a guest vocalist and it's outside of what you normally do, that, that kind of falls into this next one to where I'm a little bit more familiar with. Um, it's from Love and Death. Uh, for those that don't know, Head from Corn. it's his, I guess, if you want to call it like side project. And uh, I just, I've always liked their stuff. They only have two albums, but um, really, really good stuff. And uh, 
Now, don't give me too much shit for this, Tom, but um, they, and I wasn't sure if I was gonna like this or not, but I will admit that I do. It's a co cover of a Justin Bieber song, and it's uh, Let Me Love You, which I'm, I'll be honest, dude, like I'm not, definitely not a Justin Bieber guy, uh, but the way that they did it, it just, it, they, they made it work and, and they added some grit, grit to it. Cause obviously with head, like, you know, he's going to have the down tune guitars. He's, he's going to put a little bit of edge into it. Um, but also too, where the collaboration comes in, he features Lacey um, Sturm from formerly of Flyleaf. And uh, especially for female vocalists, like I've always loved her voice. She just has such a unique voice and I just love the way she sings. Um, just, just a pretty big fan of that, but I thought that they they worked well together in that. And I remember there was an article to where it was actually J.R. Uh, Boreas, uh, the guitarist of Love and Death. He brought mm -hmm. that to the band, and he's like, guys, I'm a big Justin Bieber fan, which I just learned that when I read the article. And he's like, let's take a stab at it, man. Like, let's go ahead and do Let Me Love You, which isn't too out of the box for Love and Death, because in their first album, they did Whip It by Devo. So... Yep. You know, can't be too surprised there. But I just thought the just having her in there and, and singing parts, it just it it went so well. And um, yeah, for those, like I said, it's it's a Justin Bieber cover, and I understand that Justin Bieber, you know. But <laughs> give it a shot. Uh, it, and just just the singing on that's really good. Guitars, like like I said, they 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 thicken it up to where it's more of a rock song. And if you never heard the Justin Bieber song before. It, it makes sense. It doesn't sound like a pop song at all. Is what I'm trying to say. So definitely, definitely want to check out. Uh, and that's that's a little bit more recent. I think that one came out about a year or two ago. So, but again, love and death. Let me love you. Give it a shot. And then you know, if you think I'm crazy for recommending it, let me know. <laughs> okay. Cool. Yeah. So the next one we're gonna talk about is one of my favorite bands, and probably as far as vocalists go, their the vocalist Drew is huge influence on me and everything like that. Love the album Bleed the Sky. We're talking about Reveille here and we are talking about the song Inside Out. The song Inside Out has an original version, but there's like a remix version, quote unquote, if you want to call it that, where during the chorus and during a, a bridge section, they actually have Scooter Ward do vocals on it. Mm -hmm. And uh, as much as I am a huge Reveille fan and Cold fan and whatnot, I, I love both both vocalists, but this like remix version with the uh, with Scooter Ward's added vocals, I don't think that really worked. I don't think it was a very good thing. I think it was very unnecessary. I guess I don't, I I don't know. I wouldn't say it's like horrible. It's just it was unnecessary. I guess it, I I think it would have been better if they had worked on something like more original and stuff. It just being like Scooter's gonna come along and drop some vocals and he's going to, and you know, we're going to put it over this section of the song. And it's like that. He does, he doesn't add a whole lot to that song for any reason either. Like, and I'm talking about like two vocalists that I, I love. They just didn't really work out in that particular situation. You know, all he says for the chorus is like, like, can you feel me? It's like, and like, and then there's, he does say something. Uh, I can't remember how it goes now at the end of the, of the, or towards the end of the song. But like I said, I, I like the original song and both vocalists are, you know, huge to me, but it just did that. That just really didn't work. It wasn't like a true collaboration. It was just kind of a weird kind of like thrown together or 
Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't thrown together. It was I wouldn't say thrown together. It was just like, okay, we're gonna chop this up and we're gonna put something else in it. Like it wasn't like we're writing this whole song and we're gonna have somebody else's vocals, you know, here and all this stuff. It was we're taking the original, we're gonna chop it up, we're gonna put somebody else's vocals mixed in in that. Like it just didn't really quite come out that well compared to the original, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like I said, my big thing is just like I love both these vocals and all that stuff, but it just wasn't a song that worked out like that. Yeah. Well, and, and also, too, when I was looking at Spotify for Inside Out, where it features Scooter Ward, I think that was kind of like a bonus track or a hidden track or something. Didn't they put that one? That, that's one that comes at the end of the album? Uh, it's not on the release that I have of the CD. It was something that maybe it was on like a later on a reissue or it was right. like, a, like a bonus track released maybe on the internet or something. I don't know. Like, I found the song on the internet it was not on my cd at all so that's that's all i could tell you there yeah it, it definitely is an interesting pairing you know and, and i think that we've come across a couple of these songs where they're unlikely to when you put them together where others have worked and this one yeah i i tend to agree with you um i, I don't hate it uh but it just yeah it just doesn't feel like it's blended together i, I don't know yeah it's it, it's kind of like okay this seems a little I don't want to use the word forced. That's a little too strong. Out of place, but though. It's a little bit out of yeah. place. Though. You got to admit that. It's, yeah. It's nothing against either the vocals. Honestly, too. You know, I keep saying that, but like it just the way it was done for that song, because it's they took an existing song and then they added they re- basically replaced they chopped and replaced certain parts of the song with other with with Scooter's vocals. And it just didn't mm-hmm. really truly fit. Yeah. I just think it was an unnecessary remix of it. And. I don't know exactly what the story was as far as like why they put Scooter on that. Like maybe he was just like hanging out with them and then kind of happened or whatever. But it just, like I said, it wasn't really, didn't really work out. It wasn't really necessary. Best way I can put it. Gotcha. So what do you think? Because I just realized literally today and excuse me, because I, I, uh, with Revel, I, I've listened to them sometimes, but it's just one of those I just didn't happen to come across and, and really get into. I, I knew of them. Mm-hmm. I just never really got into much, but, um, plastic featuring Steven Richards of Taproot. Obviously I'm a huge Taproot fan. Um, what'd you think about that collaboration with, with, with him coming on into that song? Plastic is one of those songs where I didn't realize that they had, Stephen Richards on that as vocals until later on. And because I don't remember if it was ever credited on the track list or anything like that, but it is, uh, I like that song too. I think, you know, for overall, I believe this guy has a lot of great albums or great songs on that album. Mm-hmm. And I never really thought about the guest vocals on that at all. Like who, who or what that came from, you know, I've got like the hugest taproot fan as much as I do enjoy their their songs and everything like that. So it really wasn't a big thing for me to know that the vocalist of Taproot was on was on that song. Uh, wow. but it was it's a good song. I really enjoy that song too. It's kind of, you know, if you if you enjoy Revely otherwise, yeah, it's a good song. Best way to put it. And, and I really love the way that they changed up kind of like the tempo and the vibe of the song when Steven came on. It really fit to mm-hmm. his vocal style when he's melodic so that you know he's just he's just all singing no screaming on this one where you know revelate they're, they're known for like the bouncy aggressive heavy rap rapish new metal and uh they kind of like it was almost like a bridge they, they took a quick departure of that song 
and they kind of slowed it down, mellowed it out a little bit. And, and the way that they wrote um, the guitar piece on that really um, complemented what Steven was able to put on there. So I thought well, this one, this was really well done. And for me, being a Taproot fan, as soon as I, you know, you're listening, you're like, okay, when is he going to come in? But as soon as his vo- vocals start, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, that, that's definitely Steven right there. So, um, and I like that, too. I like when you have a guest appearance because there are some songs where, like, it features blah, blah, blah. and it's almost like the vocals are too similar or they're just doing backing vocals to where you have to like really strain in and like listen to, to see if you can hear when they're coming in. But this one is obviously one where, okay, this is definitely Steven's part. We're going to, you know, make sure that, you know, he's popping out, he's featured. Um, so I thought this song was really well done. It's badass. And then as soon as he's done, bam, they go right back into it and to get like, like this heavy part. And it was sick, man. Like I was like, okay, like, all right, maybe I have to check out Revelay a little bit more because I have some friends of mine that love this band. And I've always been like, they're just okay. Oh, yeah. You have me that loves the band, dude. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I tell you, I love that album, Bleed the Sky. Laced yeah. is not as strong of an album. Mm-hmm. Those, those guys are much younger at the time. They were like only 18 or 19 when they recorded that album. They got, you know, a few, uh, you know, a couple more years under their belt and all that stuff. And, but the, the, the thing is that, Whatever it is with Bleed the Sky, the composition on a lot of those songs are pretty spot on. It is, to me, one of the, the strongest under-the-radar new metal albums and mm-hmm. everything like that. I mean, lots of things about that band, just their image, their the Bleed the Sky album and everything like that was just, it, it's underrated in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of people also uh, would, would agree with you. Like I said, definitely some friends of mine, because they're, they're close to crucifying me for saying anything other than uh, anything short of saying that this band is awesome. So <laughs> now moving on from an underrated band, we're going into a band that obviously everybody knows some love, some hates, uh, but we're going to be talking about Limp Biscuit here because they have had uh, several guest appearances, but there's three that we listed on our list here for today. Uh, starting off in uh, with a significant other album uh, they had in together now with Method Man, where this is just a straight up hip hop track. And, um, you know, Method Man, Red Man, this is when they were still kind of big out of the, you know, Wu Tang clan. They're kind of doing their own thing. I just, I thought it was cool. Like, I just, and, and this is nothing that's out of left field for Limp Biscuit. So this totally fits, you know, with their style, who they are. I just dug it and I thought it was like a pretty, you know, again, a simple music video, but I thought it was like pretty cool. And the way that, Fred Durst and Method Man, you know, trade off. I, I thought it was done really well. Yeah, it's still a song I like today. Again, it's not necessarily new metal. It's, it's just straight hip hop track, but I thought it was like an interesting collaboration. Uh, it's pretty cool. So like, did you, did you dig that at all? Or I think I mentioned before that like Significant Other is not an album that uh, was very strong with me. I really kind of didn't take on with too much with the uh, more poppy stylings of that album. Right. And I didn't, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't hate it. And like significant other has some songs that I've gone back to that. Like, okay, yeah, well I've overlooked that. Like there's some things on there that I appreciate more now than I did before. And together now is just, I take it for what it is. And it's really is pretty much Fred Durst basically getting the chance to live out his dream of working with one of his favorite, you know, rappers. So, you know, I give him credit for, being able to do that and especially at that already at that point in their career, you know, their second album and he's working with one of the most, you know, prolific rappers 
uh, of one of the largest, most prolific rap groups, period. Yeah. To get that opportunity, that's great and all. And the only thing that I can, there's two things I can remember. It's not so much the music video. It's the end of the song, the music video for Rearranged, if I'm not mistaken, where all of a sudden they're just like pouring milk all over the place. And then he's like, oh, are we dead? Are we in heaven? Did we drown in milk or something like that? They said during the video. (laughs) And like Fred Durst says, oh, if I was in heaven, I'd be rapping with Meth Man right now or something like that. And then that. Hint, hint. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that turns basically into the transition into the video for End Together Now. So that's funny how he did that. That's that was a very memorable thing with having those with, between those two videos was one basically leading, leading right into the next. And and you know what? Like that's something that looking back now, I'm like, yeah, you're right. And I completely forgot about that. So I'm glad you brought that up. Mm-hmm. So um, and then there was another collaboration where there's two featured vocalists on the significant other album, a song called Nobody Like You. I think it's not one of their obviously most popular tracks, but I love it because it features Jonathan Davis of Corn and also another singer that I have really high on my list for vocalist, Scott Weiland of Stone Temple Pilots. Absolutely. It, dude, it, it, this song, like I said, like I, and, and I, I know, like definitely Three Dollar Bill, y'all, fantastic album. And I know that a lot of people gravitate towards that and everything post that album. Uh, you know, they, they did lose some people. But I would say with this one, it's just cool because with Jonathan Davis, he, he just kind of has like that, like kind of chaotic. I'm losing my fucking shit kind of vocals in this where it's like it builds up. And then out of nowhere, you got the, like this real cool, you know, chorus with Scott Weiland and. Just that smooth approach and it's just classic Scott Weiland and, and it fits. And, and I think that Wes Borland, you know, writing the riff on that really compliments what he does and, and they made it work. It's another one of those to where they're kind of pulling somebody that is a little bit outside of the genre, but still you can fit it all together and it just makes a really solid song. To have those three, or, you know, like all, all together on a single track, it, it worked out in my opinion and I, I think it's really good. But yeah, yeah, Nobody Like You featuring Jonathan Davis, Scott Weiland. That's another one. And, and again, I, I know it's not one of your favorite albums, but uh, anything you want to add to that or should we go on to the next song? No, I mean, there's nothing for me to say because I'm not even at all familiar with that song whatsoever. Gotcha. <laughs> and then, you know, the, you, the next one you're talking about with uh, Hold On featuring Scott Weiland again and on Chocolate Starfish. Uh, yeah. That's all on you again because I don't really even know that song that well either. Yeah, I'm just I'm just a big Limbiscuit fan. I like pretty much damn near everything that they've done. Um, Hold on is really interesting because if you took that off of the album, played the song, you would almost think that it might almost be like a Stone Temple Pilot song featuring Fred Durst. That's the whole vibe because it doesn't have it doesn't sound like a Limbiscuit song at all. It's very slow, like like the tempo slow. It's very kind of like just chill. You know, and, and, and it's a little bit out of outside of Limp Bizkit's wheelhouse. And this is one where Scott Weiland kind of takes a little bit more of, of the vocal duties on this one. And again, I just I love the dude's voice. I've always liked him as a singer. So it's one of those again, it, it's one of those like you're saying earlier, like, you know, I'm not going to be at a party and bumping this. But yeah, if I want to listen to a whole album or just chill out, it, it's definitely a good track to uh, to just vibe with, you know. So that one's good. And then I almost forgot one more real quick. Um, I forgot, you know, we're talking about Fred Durst collaborating with hip hop artists. He did um, the Roland song, but it was called the Air Raid version. 
and that's where it was rolling, but it was more the hip hop where they had DMX and uh, you know, like that, that was pretty cool too. So that's another one off of Chocolate Air Raid Vehicle, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Every, you're right, every vehicle where they had, it was basically a remix of the original version of Roland. And that one's great because yeah, it had Method Man, Red Man, and DMX all on that on that yep. song, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because Method Man was on there again. Yep, great, great. I love that version way more than the original. But then again, I'm <laughs> I'm actually kind of a big I'm kind of a big DMX fan. I I enjoy a lot of his uh, his music, a lot of his albums, all that stuff. But no, I mean not saying like I go out and listen to a whole lot, but like you put on, I can put on like uh, it is dark and hell is hot easily. You know those yeah. that's a great album to me. And uh, and then there was X. That's a great album. So like DMX, you know, having hearing DMX on a essentially a rock song, you know, uh, that was great. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. I, I I almost left this on the list, but when we're talking, I'm like, wait a minute, there's one more for Limp Bizkit. So, well, um, another kind of funny kind of collaborative thing is like on Three Dollar Bill, y'all. I think it was during um the Indigo Flow song like Christian and Dino from Fear Factory were like in the studio with them doing that. If I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. like he literally shouts out Christian and Dino in the house. So they, I think they, whatever, they had some kind of weird collaboration on that too. Like two members of Fear Factory with Limp Biscuit at the time. That's kind of funny. Yeah, that's right. Looking at the lyrics. Yo, what up? Got Christian and Dino in the house. Fear Factory action. I'm sounding like, like a, <laughs> like a <laughs> like, like a lame white guy that was on purpose by the way like i i do have some flow don't worry <laughs> just fucking around <laughs> but all right so we're moving on from one classic new metal band to another corn and they have had their share of guests uh vocalists on their albums um now I, i'll start off with this one because it's interesting because jonathan davis has been um on record of saying multiple times that he wished that this song was never kind of released, which I like it. I don't care. It's featuring Fred Durst. It's all in the family. It's very sophomoric. It's very kind of, you know, and you can tell they're just having fun. They're just, they're fucking around. And I think that's why I like it. I mean, it's, they're both rapping back. It's like, it's like a rap battle, but the reason why I don't mind it, because I just got that feeling that they weren't taking it seriously. They're just, you know, messing around and just having fun in the studio. And, 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 and what I thought was kind of cool is that when, Jonathan Davis would go the 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 vibe and, and the riffs were very corn sounding but then when Fred would go they kind of limped it up you know like it was it, it sounded a little bit more like Limp Biscuit. so I thought it was cool how they contrasted those and they brought both of those together again it's not the most deep lyrics you're ever going to come across but I, I'm not looking at for that I just I, I take it at face value and enjoy it for what it is that was what you're talking about the styles of it where it, it goes back and forth basically between something that sounds more like, you know, Fred Durst, Limp Bizkit song to jumping yeah. back into a more aggressive, darker, almost sounding corn style while Jonathan is, is, is doing his vocals. Yeah. It's basically like they're just ribbing each other and talking shit about each other. And they're being, they're basically just being friends talking shit about each other. And this is early on in, in Limp Bizkit's, career and everything like that. Uh, this was before Significant Other was released, if I'm not mistaken. And mm-hmm. But $3 Bill, y'all, had already, you know, taken off and everything like that, thanks to the cover of Faith. And, and you know, Limp Bizkit owes, owes quite a bit of their success to Korn. You know, they they really got their their start, thanks to Korn. And, and for them to, you know, collaborate, I mean, you're talking about, it'd be like Metallica 
Slayer like working together. That's pretty much. Yeah, exactly. The the kind of like thing of just like having two of the biggest well known people like pioneering that sound and and being part of that the the big blow up with that of the of the new metal scene and the new metal genre. Those two people working together on a song, you know, on one of the biggest albums of the late nineties, right there. And yeah, it's it's funny because it's it's just two guys talking shit about each other. Now the problem with with it is like the the content of the lyrics. You know, it's a lot of you know homosexual references and whatnot to each other, and it's kind of like it, it, it's looking back like yeah, it's very immature and all that stuff. And the social climate on the on such topics have changed over the last twenty years, but you kind of still just have to say like these are just two people talking shit about each other on while together while you know recording a song in the studio, you know, and in a lot of that too like. It's kind of funny because a lot of those lyrics that John Jonathan Davis is singing is actually mm-hmm. written by Fred Durst instead. He's like basically giving uh, giving topics for you know Jonathan Davis to shit on himself, you know, whatever. You know, for Fred Durst to <laughs> right. basically shit on yeah. himself throughout it. You know, this is one of those things where it's kind of a little bit more of a a deeper, like touchier subject, I guess, talking about like some of the some of the attitudes and mentality of of new metal in the late nineties that, that, that'd that be another topic for another time type of deal. So you got to kind of take it for what it is when it comes to a song, like all in the family, you know? Right. You know, it was kind of funny because I, I thought that, you know, the, there's people that don't like that song. Some people don't like the song just for its quality, but I can understand some people don't like it for its content. Like for me, I just have to say like, you got to kind of take it for what it was at the time not really sit there and, and read too much into it and think about it. It's just those two people. They're not trying to attack anybody else. They're just talking shit about each other for fun. Yeah. And, and they were just, yeah, it was, it was just, Hey, let, let, let's get some drinks in here. Probably and imbibe on some illegal substances drinks, and uh, math, fucking everything. We yeah, everything exactly. Is on the table. Yeah. So yeah, it, exactly. It wasn't directed at any, you know, group of people or anything. This is, you know, in the late nineties, so, yeah, exactly. Take it for what it is. So, yeah, that was on the Follow the Leader album. And then also they had another one, which uh, this is one of the, you know, the early 90s uh, hip hop guys, uh, Ice Cube. I've always liked Ice Cube. Um, Children of the Corn. Uh, that was never like a big hit or anything. But if you own the um, Follow the Leader album, I think that, that that's a really cool one. I think it worked really well where they just threw him in at, you know, he would take a verse. They, they, they would kind of trade off verses on, on this track. And uh, yeah, it just, it, and it worked. It's just one of those where I think it's cool to see. And also too, you have to think that out of all the corn albums, this one had the most hip hop influence. I would say, I think that's safe to say uh, they, they kind of really dug deep in, in, into that kind of pulled a lot of hip hop influences out on this one. So to throw on ice cube totally makes sense. Um, it, it's, it's a deeper cut, on this album, but it's one that is worth mentioning in my opinion. Yeah. I really like that song too. Cause I think it was kind of representative of a lot of the attitude of the youth at the time too. And especially people who were kind of like into rock and, you know, rapping hip hop at the same time, just kind of like a very disenfranchised youth album. Yeah. Or I mean, Anthem, I'm sorry. You disenfranchised youth Anthem and it's, Ice Cube and Corn and West Coast fucking rock and rap together. It just, it kicked ass. It was great. It, everything worked for it, you know? And then on top of that, you had 
Korn doing a song "Fuck Dying" with Ice Cube on his album. Mm-hmm. They, they it's, it was a bit of a trade off in that collaboration. There, you know, he got to be on on uh, "Follow the Leader," and then Korn got to be on the um, the song, you know, "Fuck Dying." So, and then on top of that, he's on Family Values tour with them. So, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a that's another thing too. Obviously, and Family Values tour, we talked a little bit about that in one of our past episodes. You know, a lot of you know. Thing for people who are fans of both, you know, rock and rap and hip hop, were you know coming together and enjoying themselves at a show like that together. You know, it, yeah. it was it was a good time for anybody who was very a little bit had a little bit broader taste in heavier music at that time. Yeah, for sure. So we have two more from Corn. Uh, I'll try to get through these a little bit quicker. Uh, this one's off of Serenity of Suffering, so this is a more more recent Corn album. Uh, but a different world featuring Corey Taylor. I thought this one was good to add a list, um, just because you know Corey Taylor's a classic new metal vocalist. Um, I thought this one was pretty good. It's a heavier track. Um, I checked that out. But then going back into Life Is Peachy, so we're going to go backwards here. Wicked featuring Chino. Now this is another one similar to On the Family, where I think it's one of those like, hey. Um, okay, well, this whole you know twelve pack of beers gone. I've already smoked a J. Hey, let, let let's let let's cover Wicked, which is ironically is that not an Ice Cube track? <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm seeing I'm seeing connections here. <laughs> Lots of connections. A lot of that West Coast rock and rap connection there. Yeah, but um, and and that's one of those. And I think we talked about this on an earlier episode as well. I remember when I first heard it, I'm like, the song's fucking awesome. And then I found out later it was Cheeto. We were talking about it on the, we were talking about it on the covers episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought that was cool. Um, we're gonna hear a lot about Chino here in this episode, if if no one's kind of figuring that out. Because moving on into another band, um, Seven Dust Home, which is just freaking killer album. Um, this would have to be probably man. I'm trying to think of this whole list here for even just today. Maybe top three is uh, Bender with Chino. So you have mm-hmm. Lejean and uh, Chino, and I just, ah, oh, I, I really love this song. It's um, the way that that they had the 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 chorus for Chino. It just, it, I don't know. It, I'm I'm speechless right now. <laughs> no, it's just it's just yeah. a really good song. I'll say like like, what are your thoughts? I'm gonna try to gather mine. It's just it's just so good. It is good. It's just very well done. They both have their their stylings in it and everything like that. It sounds like a fucking Seven Dust song. It sounds like LeJohn. And it sounds like Lachino. All just put together. All just kind of fits. Well done song. I don't know what else to say. It's it's simply well done. Great vocals. Great instrumental. Not much you can say. It's just good. The only thing that's kind of funny to me is like, I think about the name of the song too. And it reminds me of... There is a a band local to me that my brother was friends with members of that band. Uh, they're, they're, the name of that band was called Bender. So mm. I think about the band Bender. Uh, they actually were they actually did get nationally signed, and they were on a couple of soundtracks. They were actually on the very first Scary Movie soundtrack. Oh, nice. And uh, 3,000 Miles to Graceland. So, yeah, that band Bender. Um, it kind of, so it, whenever I see the title of this song, it also reminds me of the, of the band as well. Yeah, so I mean, I, I guess the only the only thing to touch on that is if if you're fans of Seven Dust, fans of De- Deftones, you're fans of Lejean and 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 Chino, it's exactly when you hear it, and if you haven't yet for whatever reason, it's exactly what you're gonna think it is, <laughs> and it's just it, it's awesome. 
exactly what you want out of out of collaboration like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then moving into the Deftones, this one, I would say, may actually be, I mean, definitely top three, I would say, for fans. And almost maybe number one would be Passenger featuring Maynard of Tool. Um, And it's an interesting story behind this because during White Pony, Chino did have some issues trying to write lyrics, I guess. I don't know if it was writer's block or just he was having a hard time um, working on, on these songs during the writing sessions of White Pony. And um, Maynard happened to be, I guess, around the same studio area where they were working on it. And so basically he was like, okay, I can kind of help writing it. And he had some melody ideas. He contributed a lot of even just like the, no lyrics, but just the melodies at first. And then it got Mm -hmm. to a point where they're like, okay, well, how about this? I'll write a line and then you write a line. So basically that's how Passenger was created as far as you know melodies and lyrics like uh maynard had most of like the melodies down so then chino he would write the first thing that came to his head and then maynard would come back he'd write the second line and so like they they would kind of like go back and forth on it which obviously when they record they're going back and forth but i'm just even saying just the lyrics in general they would go line by line which i thought was very interesting just during the writing process period is what you were saying yeah yeah so, um, which it, it was really cool and it really helped Chino too. Cause like the more that Maynard put, you know, had his input, I think it helped him because like, okay, I can go off of this. It's almost like that. Um, there's like a, a game that kids play where you're making up a story and you say something and then they take a sentence and you come back game. based off of that. Yeah. So it, it's almost like they were playing this game, but it worked out great. And it turned out to be just, you know, a, an awesome song. And to me, the vibe it, 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 I don't know, like it, it definitely feels like if Deftones and Tool had a baby. So this is another one that that went really well. And I think that their their vocal styles and, and how they sound, they they, they blend well together. Um, and, and also how they traded off within the song. I thought it was very well done. Um, and, and not surprisingly, I can understand why it's probably one of the more favorite collaborations uh, in, in all of new Metal. I enjoy it. And I'm not like the hugest fan of Tool after like the Anima era is kind of, they kind of fell off with me, but um, it's great that it works so well. Um, and it's another one of those things where I didn't know it was Maynard right away when I first heard, when I first got the album and listened and everything like that. Kind of didn't really like place who the vocalist was, but I could tell it was somebody else. I just complained that it was Maynard at the time because it's not like the, his vocal sounds there weren't quite like they were to me in the tool songs that I did listen to, it kind of was a lot more like the, a perfect circle style of his of vocals. Hmm. And I want to say like, I don't know, it's, it's kind of funny because there, it, there is a good blending of it where it kind of like, it doesn't like feel out of place with his vocals either. So it didn't like, it kind of like didn't stand out, but in kind of a good way that it didn't stand out. And I really, I really like that song. Um, all things, you know, taken uh, into account there because to me, like my favorite songs, like from Deftones is called, you know, it's be quiet and drive. And this feels like kind of like an addendum to that song because it's a similar topic of driving and whatnot. And the, a very, you know, mellow attitude or tone to atmosphere. What do you want to say to that song? It kind of, you know, fits, you know, it's, it's a little bit more of a, of a coming down versus what be quiet and drive was, you know, but it it feels like a follow-up to that song. So I really do enjoy that song. 
you know, working with, with Maynard, obviously big deal. So yeah, that's what I got to say about that. And then while we're on white pony, um, cause I'm going to skip the, the, the next one, but, um, I had, I, I came across this article about a couple months ago and I was really surprised. And let me ask you, Tom, I, cause I did not know, and this is one, how I, earlier in this episode, I was talking about how you have to strain your ears and try to listen. Um, uh, we mm-hmm. were just talking about Scott Weiland. I had no idea that he was a guest appearance on the song RX Queen on White Pony. It's one that I've listened to a couple of times and I can't tell where he's at. And I guess they're saying it's like the scatting part, like the where it's not even like you can't really make up the or or make out what the words are. But I guess that's his part. But I I can't. It's crazy. (laughs) Like, did you ever hear that Scott Weiland was on White Pony? You know what? If it was ever brought up to my attention, or it didn't like really mean that much to me. Like I, White Pony is a half and half album for me. There's like mm-hmm. half the songs I really like, half the songs I can live without. RX Queen is is probably one of the ones I could live without. So I never really thought about, it, never cared too much about anything to, in relation to that song. No, I think maybe when I was listening to like Roach Coach episodes on Roach Coach episode on White Pony. They might have brought mm-hmm. it up, but I really couldn't say whether or not I've heard it. I, I knew that before that point. So it, it's one of those things, eh, it, it's there or whatever. And Scott Wildland's on it. That's cool. But kind of doesn't matter to me because it's not that strong of a song to me. So, Gotcha. Yeah. And, and it's not one that's going to be one of the most popular ones. It's just kind of like a did you know type of thing. So I thought it'd, it'd be appropriate yeah. just at least to bring up. But uh it's a Loudwire um, article that uh, that was from September of 2020, and uh, they're mm-hmm. just saying, while many fans are aware of Tool's Maynard James Keenan appearing on Deftones' White Pony album, there was also a lesser-known contributor from Scott Weiland, and even Chino was quoted as saying, it's one of those things that wasn't really announced. And I'm like, yeah, no kidding, because I had no freaking clue, <laughs> but... You know, so it, it was just another thing where, um, you know, Scott Weiland was just around in the studio, and... He was like, wow, man, that sounds pretty cool. And they're like, yeah, you know, you can re-sing it if you want. Or no, like he put something in. Chino said it looked, it sounded cool. And then Chino was supposed to do a certain part, but he just kept it in. But I, I can't really tell. But just a little cool uh, fact tidbit for you. Whatever have you. Yeah, and then just just to touch on it real quick, which, uh, and again, I love Deftones, but um, there was mine off of Saturday Night Wrist featuring Serge Tankian of System of a Down. I won't go too much into that one. It's an all right song. Uh, but the funny part about that is I don't even think there was an agreement between Deftones and Surge. I think the label wanted Surge on there and they're like, okay, fine, whatever. I think from what I remember reading an article about. So not too much to touch on that. But one of our favorites, and we were just talking about this before recording, off of Around the Fur, Max Cavalera, Head Up, straight up fucking banger i mean that that's the kind that like if you're in your car man there's no way that volume's not fucking blasted when you're playing this track yeah exactly <laughs> it is we're yeah. kind of coming full circle here talking about max kevlar because we started off talking about Soulfly and all the uh collaborations he had in guest vocals and stuff like that you know being one of them on pain and talking about head up here and i really didn't know much about Soulfly or subaltura at the time when I first, you know, got around the fur and I really didn't know that who Max Cavalera was. I don't remember even anybody ever telling me like that's the person who's, you know, singing on he's singing Soulfly. He's is what he's yelling, shouting right. during that song. And that's what 
where the source of the band name, you know, come from. And the thing, other two, the other thing too is like Max Killer is on that because Chino and Max's stepson were really good friends and everything like that. And that song was de- was dedicated to him as well um, mm-hmm. before he passed away. So he, uh, that friend, uh, Max's stepson, did even you know end up dying at some point. It, I don't remember exactly when, how long ago, whatever it was, or what the cause was. I, I really don't remember the whole story, but he had passed away and like, you know, his Chino's friends and whatnot. And they had, a so they had, a you know, an actual like personal connection, you know, and it wasn't just like a couple of artists, you know, getting together in the studio or whatever, or a kind of like record label thing, or, you know, they actually had like a really personal connection, really personal, mutual connection. And then I found out actually um, later on that Max actually wrote the opening riff for Head Up too, which I was, when I'm thinking about it and you're listening to some like older soul fly, I was like, yeah, that does kind of have like a soul fly, fly kind of vibe to the riff. It's a very simplistic riff. And I mean, it's pretty easy to play on guitar, but I mean, to me, sometimes like simple is better and it just, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it you just know, works. Su- I love it. It's one, well, I was going to say, it, when I was, you know, kind of, trying to, you know, first learn guitar and all that stuff, you know, a little over 10 years ago or whatever. And uh, getting, when you get out of like learning the standard tuning and you start wanting to play, you know, songs that are, you know, that you like and enjoy that are just like the fundamentals and you're learning, you know, the, uh, the, these other tunings, drop tunings and all that stuff, that songs yeah. and drop D flat. And that was one of the first songs I was learning in that tuning because, um, it's a really simple opening opening riff and everything like that. The the, the chorus is, is a little bit more difficult, but really simple, like rhythmic riffing throughout the verses and all that stuff throughout me throughout most of the song. But so it's like a very good simplistic riff and all that stuff and good for somebody kind of just wanting to pick up learning uh other songs like that. But it, it just works. I mean, there's so much about that song that means a lot to me because it's it's off of one of my favorite albums. It's you know, a song that I learned and it picked up, you know, when I wanted to learn guitar, it just, it just kicks ass. It's a great song. Yeah, it, it's a great song. And, and that's going to lead us into uh, just a, another section of this episode because it's very important. It has now officially been 25 years since the release of Around the Fur by Deftones. Um, again, like I, sometimes I think People say I talk too much about it because I'm sorry, they're my favorite band. And this album is just so seminal for me. Absolutely love this album. It was a huge influence on me just as a fan and not, and also wanting to be a musician and, and playing in bands. I, I, there's not, I, I can't say enough about this album. And just to see it you know, at 25 years now is awesome. And um, my personal experience of discovering Deftones, um, I was home from college one weekend and late, up late at night. And back in the day when MTV used to play music videos, uh, they would actually have credits that would start first. The music video plays. Then they, you know, when they close it out, they show the credits again as far as the artist, song title, record label, what have you. Yeah, the information, yeah. Yeah, and you mentioned Be Quiet and Drive, and that is my all-time number one favorite Deftones song. That, that's, that's the song that got me into them. Uh, you know, again, when I was in high school and college, I saw like these Deftones. You know, it's got that cool cursive font and... You know, like that was like their logo and I see it on, on, you know, bumper stickers on all these cars. I'm like, that's a cool name. But like, I have no idea who the hell these guys are. Like, what is Deftones, you know? And uh, Be Quiet and Drive played. And I was like, man, what is this? But for whatever reason, that music video never showed the credits. And I'm like, oh my God, I love this song. This is great. And the song finishes. I'm like, okay, where are the credits? And I'm like, 
who the fuck are these guys? <laughs> you know, so it, and then it took to where I stayed on campus. I was at some small junior college. I was there for baseball, but we didn't have any practice or anything. And I, and I became friends with this guy down the hall and this other dude from California. And we would just sometimes just drive up to like this Mesa. I was out in Colorado and it kind of overlooks the small cow town. And so we just drink beer and, and just jam tunes. And uh, he put the CD in and all of a sudden the song came on. I'm like, wait a minute, is, is this Deftones? Is this what it is? You're like, yeah. And of course, like, you already played my own summer and all that. And I still couldn't, you know, connect the dots. And I was like, oh my God. I'm like, okay, cool. All right. So these, all right, this is Deftones. These are who these guys are. And so I remember uh, next time, next time I was home, I went to Best Buy, bought the CD and uh, fell in love with band ever since. And then obviously, you know, discovered Adrenaline, White Pony came out, got that. But um, around the fur, man, front to back i just i just think that it was a more matured polished version of adrenaline they really expanded and and i think they really kind of um came out of their shell on that one and um i i think and also too my own summer is probably you hear like the opening drum part like where he's snapping that snare like like it just it it's so simple. Like we're talking about simple again, but yet you hear that you exactly know what song it is. And it's such a classic song, you know, and um, just, just fantastic. Uh, it, it's got aggressiveness. They're also kind of showing a little bit more of like, you know, like shoegaze influence and ambient. Um, they, they really kind of start to branch out of, they, they are new metal, but they're also starting to incorporate a little bit of their outside type of influences into that album. And, um, it's it's just fantastic. Still to this day, my favorite Deftones album. So, what are your what are your thoughts on Around the Fur? What aren't my thoughts, man? God, it's, <laughs> exactly right. Like you, you, you. Like there's just so much that I would say that mirror a lot of what you said. Now, I was uh, fortunate. Like Deftones was a band that my brother originally had Around the Fur before I ever got to listen to it. And I was, you know, rifling through his uh, CD collection. I found it. I listened to it. Of course, what caught my eye was, was the album where, you know, it's like a top-down view of a, of a, a chick girl, yeah. in a bikini. On, yeah, and, and uh, sitting by the pool. I mean, come on now. How does that not catch your eye, you know? Especially when we're <laughs> in our teens, you know, like when that came oh my out, God, we're in yes, our teens. Exactly, exactly. Hormones, <laughs> yeah. Hormones are aging and everything, right? Like that. And uh, it's, but like, I remember, you know, catching the, the video for My Own Summer and huh, just there was so much about that, just that time period. It was it was just that right time period for me personally, between like what kind of music I was listening to, like the kind of like quote unquote moods or whatever like that I was going through as a teenager. Uh, especially because like I was like a very introverted person. I didn't go out and do anything like that. I sat around and I would listen to music or watch TV, you know, and stuff like that. So li- I listened to a lot of music especially because like I couldn't drive anywhere yet or anything like that. So I was at home, you know, listening to a lot of music and that CD was on constant rotation for me. So it was like, one of the like six CDs I used to listen to all the time when I was, when I was a teenager like that. And yeah, it's like the, between there's so many great songs on there. It, it is to me, whenever I see like on Facebook, there's a post about, you know, name an album that is, you know, perfect from front to back that's the album i go with right there just yeah. around the fur i i what if you like if like you could like cut off the the space between the the last official track and the secret track and front to back just great like it's i love every single second of that album 
uh, outside of obviously the, the the long bit of silence, waiting for the second, waiting for the secret track, I should say. But, right, yeah, right. Just, yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. It was funny because I was just about to say the two about about Damone, like the last one. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like I don't really don't know what else to 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 say. It's just, I mean, I could go. We could sit there and like almost deep dive it, but it's it's all it's all been kind of said and done. It also at the same time, it's twenty five years old. Plenty of other places I've talked about it and everything like that. We're just, you know, kind of talking about our own personal experiences here with it. And just, what else can I say? I love that album, period. Like, I can sit there and, and put that CD on at almost any time in my life and just sit down and listen to it and enjoy yep. every second to it. I will not skip a single song of it. I will not skip a single second of it. It is well done. Like, all the production, uh, instrumentally, vocally, sequencing, Everything's just well done. I, there's nothing I really want to uh, skip. Like, I, I think, oh, God, I don't know. Like, the, the strongest songs for me are pretty much Be Quiet and Drive, Head Up, My Own Summer, and the Tiddler track, uh, Around the Fur, and um, that last track, too, that I really like that, too, um, where they have the 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 woman, you know, going back and forth with him or whatever, or like a follow-up, whatever vocal with him. You know, as he says, you know, uh, during the, Let me during think the chorus there. About yeah. Think about what? Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. And just the way that that, it's kind of funny because it's kind of funny because that's kind of like this kind of like, it sounds like an, you know, kind of like alternative rock kind of like flavor to it, but mm-hmm. it's a little bit, you know, grittier and everything like that, but it was just something where it didn't, I don't know how to explain it. It felt, like something I've heard before, but at the same time, something that nobody else really does. They don't really have that kind of like, they didn't really have like, you know, a guy kind of like soft singing and, a, and uh, a, kind of talking back to him like that, you know, and it all just the song, the whole song just fits. I, I don't know. I, I can't really say much other than I just love that album front to back. I will, I will praise that album left and right. I know a lot of people kind of really praise, you know, white pony because of the direction they went and where they went from then on, a lot of people like that. But I really, I really just always kind of anchored to around the fur for me personally. Yeah, I'm I'm in the, in the same boat with that, and and everything that you said. Yeah, I'm 100. percent So we are we are dialed in on that. And the and the only other thing that I can say, and I posted this on a new metal group literally this morning. I'm like, I am praying to the new metal gods that we're gonna hear an announcement. That Deftones will be going on tour and playing the entirety of Around the Fur because a lot of bands have been doing that. Korn's have done that for Self-Titled. They've done it for uh, they've done it for Fall the Leader. Tapered that with Gift. So I'm hoping. And if that happens, take my money. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that'd be great. Yeah. So, but uh, that that's our collaborations. And again, happy anniversary. 25 years of Around the Fur. Fucking awesome. But another thing before we're going to go, we got a couple more things. Uh, listener feedback. We got some feedback uh, that I see here on the list. All right, let's hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Recently just received uh, an email from um, Paul Smithson uh, from the UK. Uh, he says, hi, Tom and Jeremy. I have been listening to your podcast since your interview with Matt Carp. Thank you, Matt. Uh, I even had to go back and listen to the backlogs of episodes. Great stuff. I really like the reviews you do and have discovered so many new bands that I did not know about. And he lists uh, my favorite bands are Korn and E-Town Concrete, which is more of a rap core band, but, you know, kind of like 
very, very closely new metal adjacent, uh, probably more than, you know, some other bands. Eton Concrete, uh, more of a core style band than what I would consider new metal personally, but other people put them in, in new metal. Whether or not, you know, you agree with that, that's debatable. Anyways, but he says, uh, anyway, I digress. I would really like you to blind listen to a song called Respect for Life by Hybrid UK. Have you heard of Hybrid UK before, Jeremy? No, and, and that's what I love about this. And I encourage everybody to write to us because I love checking out new stuff. Um, so this is going to be exciting. Have not heard of these guys yet. Yeah, I have, but literally only like yesterday or the day before because on a episode earlier this year on Roach Coach, somebody else had actually um, talked to them about this song, but I have not listened to the song yet. Actually, like when I heard that they were going to listen to it, I was like, okay, well, I'll skip past it because you and I are planning on listening to it ourselves two days later. Like, I don't want to ruin it. I don't want to spoil it for myself here. So Good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, it's a like double Christmas. Blind listen here. <laughs> exactly, we're, we're, exactly. We're, we're not, we're not going to peek, uh, you know, underneath the box, man. We're going to wait till the day of to check it out. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm yeah. looking forward to it, man. Like, let's, let's go ahead and give this a spin. Well, let's do it just uh, real quick. Yeah, uh, he does give us a link and then he says, unfortunately, they are no longer with us, but they never really labeled with a genre, but I really think they would come under New middle, he just says, please uh, give it a listen and give me your thoughts. And he says, thanks. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you, Paul, for the feedback there. We really appreciate it. So Absolutely. now we're going to get, so now we're going to take the, t- uh, the time to uh, listen to Hybrid UK with their song, Respect for Life. man that was hybrid out of the uk respect for life um yeah that was the first time i've ever heard of those guys man yeah i like i said i've heard of them but like literally only recently it's just kind of a interesting coincidence to receive this email yeah and then listen to them um uh, i don't know it's like it's a very big mishmash of, of styles there in my in my opinion mm-hmm. uh i think like I don't, I don't know. It's, it's I like some of the um the chorus. Like I really like kind of the the reverb uh vocals and everything like that in it. But I think mm-hmm. it was just a little too all over the place for me. It, it sounded very like start off very like drums very punkish sounding. And I think they could have cut down that that bridge. That bridge was kind of a little long for me. Mm. Mm, it's not bad. It's all right. I don't know if it's my personal cup of tea. Well, Kind of a coincidental way to say that, considering they're from the UK. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, um, it was. It, it's an interesting song. It's one of those to where I'm curious to hear more. Um, I, I can't mm-hmm. really say if it's something where I'm like, oh man, I gotta, you know, you know, kind of really dive in deep to these guys just yet. I, I would need a few more songs to see if like they'd really latch on to me. But I thought it was really interesting because you're right; it goes all over the place. 
you could tell like there's so many influences in them. Um, you know, because like they kind of sound like this band Sixth a little bit. I wonder if they even listen to like, or if they were around to listen to Tala. Tala like they kind of have like it just chaos. That, that's the only word I can say. Of this song it's just like it's just chaos. And uh, you know, there's even like a little bit, a little bit of like a system of a down kind of you know vibe to it. Um, but like you're saying, it goes so many different directions. I love the sound like that that nice crisp pop on the snare that you know like, like especially like, like hip hop and bounciness like they 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 you know it's it's like that nice crisp snare sound which which I dug uh, the drumming was cool and sometimes you know we were just talking about Revelate earlier like some of, some of the riffs and and just like the distortion on the guitar kind of had me you know in, in thinking in the vein of of Revelate a little bit and then you know and this is definitely no dig but like the super fast rapping. I, <laughs> This is what it reminded me of. You remember Snow and Former back in the 90s? Oh, shit. Yes, yes, yes. I know what you're talking about exactly. And I was like, man, like, this dude sounds like Snow a little bit. Like, you know, not not exactly, but I'm just saying like, like the super fast, you know, rap. And I was like, holy shit. So I could definitely tell. Yeah, I could definitely tell there was some kind of like reggae influence on their, on their yeah. sound. So it, it makes sense. Yeah. Wow. So um, j- just for it to kind of like, and, and yeah, it just, it went in so many directions. I'm curious to hear more and see, do all songs sound like this? Or is this one where, you know, it's a little bit one more like kind of crazier and just kind of going all over the place. I mean, one thing that you and I could say for sure, like it wasn't like, okay, we're playing the same riff over and over again and that's it. No, like this, this thing definitely went a lot of directions. So I really appreciate the recommendation. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I'm definitely, it, it's enough for me to kind of explore a little bit more into these guys. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. I, I'll give, I'll give, you know, rest of it a shot, you know, find out more of them. Like I said, uh, I don't know. Did I mention like this? Unfortunately, there's a band that they're not together anymore, apparently. Um, but yeah, just, I guess, you know, they're still, they're still in the, the, the audience's mind there. So, and people are still trying to kind of share them. So. I don't know what the story is with this band whatsoever. And it was just, you know, like I said, a listener recommendation here to give us a, to, to have us listen to. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what more to say. It wasn't, I don't know. It wasn't horrible, but there was just things. There was some elements of that song that I probably personally would not have kept in. Yeah. Give it a shot later on. If I find them, listen to them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, but I definitely appreciate the uh, the recommendation, Paul. So that, that was awesome. So, and again, anybody else has anything else uh, that they'd like to share, throw it our way. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely give it a listen for sure. But uh, man, that was a lot of fun. But I, I think we've, uh, I think we've took up a lot of time here. So we would probably just go ahead and close out. What do you, what do you say? Yeah, um, we do have a little bit of other feedback and stuff like that. We can share at a later time and some other things. But otherwise, yeah, this pretty much does it for this episode uh talking about uh collaborations and the uh band hybrid uk so thank y'all for listening uh yeah okay this is a the fun part we haven't had to do this in quite a while because we ever had (laughs) we haven't been able to uh record an episode in over a month now so yeah uh it's been like at least a month now i want to say yeah, it's it's been a little while. Yeah, um, but uh, we're gonna try well, to get back. Well, hopefully to it. we're yeah yeah. Hopefully we're getting back on track here. You know, it might be a little sporadic still. You know, hey, life sucks. Life happens. You know, <laughs> the fact that you and I still like can get together even do this at all means a lot. So yeah. I mean, you and I really want wanted to do this, and we're trying to stick to it. So think and one of the things too, 
one of the things that would help, you know, anybody, the feedback, the any kind of uh, contribution you guys want to give to us, any kind of topics you'd like us to discuss, you know, you can reach out to us. We are on Facebook, definitely on Instagram. I, I try to keep up with Instagram when I can, but uh, Facebook's where a little bit more, especially Jeremy posts a little bit more than I do on there. Um, uses yeah. a Facebook page more than I do. He likes to post a lot of the, the, the funny memes and all that shit. Otherwise, we do have the email, which is how uh, Paul Smithson had, you know, reached out to us and uh, breathing new life at gmail.com spelled just like the, the podcast uh, name. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, well, Twitter, Twitter is going to be different from now on since yesterday. So I don't know about using Twitter much, but who knows? Maybe I'll get back and using Twitter. Maybe not. I don't know. We it's like new life podcast on Twitter or something like that. I really don't know. I don't use Twitter for much of the promotion of the of the podcast, but. Uh, you know, if you, if you want to try and reach out to us through there, maybe, but I don't know. You'd have to really look for us because I really don't even know what it is anymore. Right. Just um, Facebook us. <laughs> yeah. Facebook, or Instagram. Those are honestly the two best ways. Like, yeah, honestly, because we've been getting a lot of um, like the band Step has, has been contacting us through Instagram and everything like that, uh, sharing some uh, some of their new work with us. So which is exciting. Yes. Yes. That's very exciting. Um, Let's just uh, roll it out now. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to another episode of Breathing New Life. And always remember to one, two, three, keep, keep it, it new. new. <laughs> I think that's the closest. <laughs> right. I think that's the best we did. We, we were a little hesitant there at the end, but I think that's the best job we've done so far. That's all right. A for effort. <laughs> all right, guys. Take care. We'll see you next time. Later. Peace.